You guys may or may not have witnessed our very own Ryan Konigsberg experience a pretty rough hangover after the Broncos draft party a couple months ago uh, at Blake Street Tavern. If you haven't, there's a video. It's worth checking out on our Facebook and DV DNVR Broncos page. Vita Mobile IB came to Ryan's rescue, and I mean they really came through. Vita Mobile IV comes to your home, office, dorm room, wherever you need a serious hydration, and Vita Mobile IV is made up of professionals passionate about preventative health and the benefits of IV therapy and alternative medicine. Recover and recharge with Vita Mobile IV. Download their app, request a skilled IV drip therapist, and then just sit back and relax. They come to you. Don't forget to use promo code HYD20 and save 20% off your first IV drip. Uh, again, that's promo code HYD20 to get 20% off. This thing is so cool. This is a really cool product. So visit VitaMobileIV.com today to learn more or just download their app and book your appointment. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the DNVR Nuggets podcast. I am your host, Adam Mares from DNVR. Today's episode is sponsored by Total Beverage or presented by Total Beverage where you can get 30% off. That's right, 30% off of your purchase of $75 or more. We're approaching the weekend. It's Friday, everybody. There's a Nuggets game. You want some alcohol? You want to use the promo code DNVR2019 online or on the Total Beverage app. You can download today and uh, get your weekend started the right way. You're going to want to get it started the right way because the Nuggets, the 1-0 undefeated first place Denver Nuggets, have their home opener tonight, and I think it's going to be a memorable one. Today's episode of the show, I'm going to talk about that game. In the final segment, I'm going to preview it and talk about some of the things I'm looking for. Of course, DeAndre Ayton is not going to be playing as he is facing now a suspension for testing positive for a banned substance, a diuretic. Don't know what that's about. Don't know what it is that he was using a diuretic for. Really, really strange. Um, so, but who knows? Um, but he's going to be out, which is kind of a big development. He's arguably their, you know, second or third most important player. So, uh, and certainly one of the only guys that can match up against Jokic. Uh, Aaron Baines will play a lot. So I'll talk about that in segment three. But today, because yesterday was a special day, and you know we really got into we had the live show which i thought was a lot of fun i hope you guys have checked it out the podcast has been great all week i thought wednesday's discussion about michael porter jr was a great one um you know i think we covered all angles of that and i'm curious to see how it um evolves starting with this friday game i was almost certain he was not going to play against portland but now you get home against a shorthanded um outmanned opponent although they did win by 29 points in their opener so you know you never know but, um, you know, a game that Denver should be pretty heavily favored in, and you <laughs> you wonder if this is the type of game Michael Malone maybe tries to give him a chance. So that'll be interesting. And then just the home crowd. It'll be a good time. Um, so listen to that show for Wednesday if you're curious about Michael Porter Jr., why he's not playing. Yesterday's show, the live show, I thought was great. I should tell you, don't forget to follow us on Twitter. And, and, and Twitter, Brendan Vote does a great job of that. Um, we just have a lot of fun. If you're not... You know, if you're not following, not everybody's a Twitter or online person, but if you uh, if you're curious, check it out. We have so much fun during Nuggets games. We really want to build a community where it all feels like we're watching the game together, and we do a lot of interactive stuff. So you're gonna want to check that out if you if you've never sort of given that a go. DNVR underscore Nuggets is the handle there. 
But today's episode of the show, usually after games, I'll be doing solo podcasts where I go through my notebook um, and, and just talk about what I saw kind of on a deeper level. And then the companion piece behind the paywall up on DNVR is going to be uh, the list. And I'm going to have, I have several videos. I think I have like 14. I don't know which ones will all make it, but, um, you know, 14 or so videos that, that I'm going to talk about on this show. And then you could find more detailed analysis up on the list following uh, every episode of the Notebook Pods. All right, without further ado, let's get into this. Jokic's first two fouls. So Jokic's foul troubles early on in this game were the story. It was a big storyline. Um, and his first two came off of similar situations. So what's happening is he's coming out. A couple of years back, there was this big debate about Jokic and how to use him. He's not very fast-footed. And Mo- Michael Malone was dropping him in pick and rolls really deep. Um, and what I mean by by dropping, there'd be a pick and roll up at the three-point line, and rather than have Jokic come out to the level of the screen where he would just kind of show on the screen um, and, and take away the three-pointer, they would drop him way down in the paint and just say, hey, stand in the paint, don't let anybody try to get past you, but you're basically just conceding some of these like turn-the-corner mid-range pulls-ups and sometimes three-point pull-ups. Well, I that strategy didn't really work, and Jokic would end up getting burned even worse often because he would be standing still and in the paint, and guys would get a running start at him. Um, he just it, it wasn't working. So what they've been doing is bringing him higher out on the screens um, at the level. And what I like about that is they often allow Jokic to use his brain. His feet aren't very fast, but his brain is. And when you engage him like that on the defensive end, it takes more energy and more focus. But it also is allows him to sort of try to read the play and be. It, it's almost like a not quite a blitz. Um, but it'd be like, like in football, but it'd be more like playing at the level at the line, you know, bringing bringing a linebacker up or so uh, to the line that you, you do that with Jokic and he can get beat. You're vulnerable to getting beat. Um, but usually he's smart enough to kind of read what's going on early enough to be in the right space. Well, what happened on both of these two fouls? Um, he's up on the screen, but he doesn't recover on the roll guy. So it, the timing of this is, is really, really important. He shows on the screen, Damian Lillard kicks the ball around to, uh, you know, like reverses the ball to the other side and Jokic sort of jogs on back down, uh, doesn't, doesn't get behind Hassan Whiteside. And when the shot goes up on the first one, it was a three point shot. Whiteside has inside position. Jokic tries to push him under the rim and ends up getting a foul. I thought it was kind of a weak foul, but it was a foul nonetheless. And it, it came because of Jokic, you know, not sprinting back to get back in position. And then the very next possession, you come down and this time it was a pass to Whiteside. Jokic, who, who was slow and sort of lazy defensively, then takes a bad angle trying to get the steal. And then for whatever reason, commits kind of a purposeful foul because Hassan Whiteside was about to get a dunk. So you get back-to-back fouls on Jokic that basically, long story short, stem from him not being very mobile and very engaged in the pick and roll and being out of position and then just not being smart enough to accept it and allow a a dunk basically uh, to happen and he takes the foul. So first two really bad, third one obviously an offensive foul, but the first two they're meaningful because of how they happened as much as, you know, how quickly they happen. Um, another note I have in my notebook, if you're new to my notebook pods, by the way, that, uh, you know, used to do at Locked On Nuggets and still do on Mondays and Tuesdays, um, I, I basically just go through things in my notebook as they happen. So I'll probably bounce around a lot, but it, it's basically linear is how they happen in the game. Gary Harris got outmuscled on a drive by C.J. McCollum, and I think that's notable because 
one of the things that happened is Gary Harris has come into the season a little bit underweight, I think at about two, 210 pounds, which I'm told is about 10 pounds lighter than usual. And the reason he did that is because, you know, he's gotten injured the last two years carrying around that extra weight. And you never know if that's the reason why, but I think trying out, hey, let's be a little bit lighter, a little bit leaner, and let's see if that um, works. And that weight he had, the 220, was all muscle. Gary Harris is jacked. But, you know, the game of basketball, sometimes extra weight, even muscle weight, can put extra, you know, uh, pressure on your knees and joints. So he comes in a little bit lighter, but Gary Harris is a strong guy. And when I saw that drive where he just got pushed out of the way by C.J. McCollum, I, I at least filed a note away and said, hmm. It doesn't usually happen to Gary, so um, could just be a one-off thing, though. I don't want to. You don't never want to overreact to like first game or or just even one. Ex- I only have one example really of this, um, but something to, something noteworthy. Millsap's attempt on Hassan Whiteside. So Jokic is out of the game. Actually, Jokic is still in the game at this point. Millsap makes an attempt on Hassan Whiteside that was just so crazy, it, and it it was just a bad move. It was ill advised, but it also made me wonder. You know, Millsap's usually a pretty good decision maker, and it's one of those things where you always want to know: is is Millsap losing a step? You know, you, you're looking for that, especially early in the season. Where does he look like now at 34 years old? And that was one that at least stood out to me a, a tiny little bit because it was so bad. It was such an obvious and and terrible decision and and wasn't even close to getting off Hassan Whiteside blocked him like he was a little child um I'm a big believer in weird shots so Jokic goes out the game Plumlee comes in I'm a big believer in that weird shots this could be four shots like you know just a bad shot selection selfish or it could just be a you know a play where a player makes a really really strange and bizarre decision that can have you know, a, a ripple effect where it almost snowballs on a team and, and can kill a couple of possessions. And the one that really stood out in this game, you remember the play. I think there's an offensive rebound. Mason Plumley winds up with the ball. He takes two dribbles away from the basket into the mid-range and then turns around and shoots a sort of fadeaway. And it was just one of those, like, what was that? I think there was eight or nine seconds on the clock when he took it. And you think, man, what on earth was the circumstance that you took a, a fall-away mid-range jumper, uh, Mason, that was really weird, and it led to like a 9-0 run. So I'm a big believer in those types of momentum swings. Gary had a three straight drives where he did not get to the rim. So Gary had a really weird game, and there was two stretches of this game that I think really stood out in the weird way, and this was one of them. He had three straight drives where, you know, Gary going to his right, traditionally has been really, really good, uh, really, really effective. Going to that right hand, he's got a great right hand. A couple of years back in sort of like the best we've seen of Gary Harris, that right hand was automatic. You get him off of a screen turning the corner and he was either going to dunk on you or finish or just make a great play. Well, he had three straight of those. Denver ran like three plays in a row with that double pin down or, or, or dribble handoff or double pin down. And on all three of them, the first two, he didn't get to the rim. He settles for sort of a long floater, like a, almost like a free throw line um, floater. And these things are just a little bit concerning to me. Again, some of this has to do with the way Millsap, in my opinion, has to do with the way Millsap spaces the floor. He's always a a little bit too in tight. But some of this has to do with, you know, Gary Harris can hit that. But when you do it three times in a row, it makes me wonder, like, why are you getting that? It's kind of like the mid-range discussion. If you are, are familiar with, like, the, the people that are really into analytics, I consider myself one of them. I think analytics is just information. So the more information you have, the more you understand the game. 
But a lot of people confuse this with, you know, the mid-range thing. Oh, why mid-range shots are the, are the worst, never take them. And that's not the case. What, what the case is is you want to tailor an offense that's trying to get the best shots at all times. And if you have an offense that's consistently getting the worst types, then you're probably doing something wrong. It's not that the shots themselves are wrong. It's, it's why is your offense always getting you into those spots or why are you deciding to always be in those spots? Well, Gary Harris had three straight floaters, all of them tough. He ends up going one from three, and he actually was a, an and one, so he gets three points out of the three possessions, which isn't the worst. Um, but that floater was just it, – it's not a shot you, – you want Gary getting to the rim. That's where his efficiency is going to really go up, and he just wasn't doing that in this game. And then Plumley, my last note from the first quarter here, Mason Plumley, as much as he's a good defender and does a lot of good things, and he's a smart guy, high IQ player, he also just – he makes me make some of the dumbest plays for a player that is generally very smart. 38 seconds on the clock. Uh, Portland's trying to go for two for one. So Denver's on defense. Portland's trying to get two shots up with 38 seconds left. They can get two shots uh, up to Denver's just one. You know that's going to happen. You know they're going to try to take a shot within the first eight seconds of a shot clock, side uh, inbounding the ball from the side, and Mason Plumley just like runs full speed trying to go for a steal and runs over Scalabizier, puts him on the line. Scal is not a threat from the three point line, nor is you know also just situationally you know that you're going to be able to like force them into a bad shot here. You know how it's going to go, get a rebound and go the other way. Instead, he fouls you know thirty feet from the basket and Scalabizier gets two free throws out of it it's just it was one of those things that made me want to pull my hair out and Mason does those things just a teeny bit too much for my liking and and too much for a player that is as smart as he is that's the end of the first quarter, and so it, it gives me an opportunity to tell you about our uh, sponsor, Breckenridge Brewery. Of course you know about them because we're telling you about them all the time. Uh, Avalanche uh, Amber Ale, which is my favorite. The Vanilla Porter, which many people are calling the Vanilla Porter Junior. You got the Colorado Core Summer, uh, like a crisp, cidery beard. Really, really good. One of my favorites, especially because it's so low carb. I think it's like four grams of carbs or something in that one. So if you're trying to do keto or you're trying to do Atkins or any Thing like that, or just trying to you know watch your sugar intake, that's the beer for you. Colorado Court, delicious too. I, I a really really refreshing drink. And then of course their favorite, the Strawberry Sky. That was the beer that one summer it, it took over. So you're gonna want to check. Uh, you're gonna want to check them out. They've been a great partner with us, and I think there's gonna be some really cool crossover stuff we're doing with them throughout the year. And then of course I, you see us on the live stream, you see us on the podcast, all the stuff we're doing. We're not just saying this, you know, because they, you know, they're a sponsor. We're saying this because we truly love their beer and love their product and believe in them. Local, local company, and uh, there's just a lot, some really cool guys over there um, to work with. So check them out. And then of course the event calendar. Somebody asked me the other day when the watch parties are coming. Well, the problem we're having is these games aren't televised, <laughs> so it's difficult to do a – with the altitude situation, it's difficult to figure out how to do a watch party. But trust me when I say that this is a high priority for us and um, you know, even maybe we'll even make some decisions before then, but you're going to want to check out the Breckenridge event calendar on the DNVR.com uh, whenever we do start filling that one out. We believe Piper is the best because of their professionalism, because of their capability, because of their integrity, and because of the relationship we have built over the last year and a half with several of their key managers. Piper Electric has been a part of the Denver community for over 35 years. 
Their reputation of being fairly priced, trustworthy, and dependable has allowed them to become one of the best Denver electrical contractor companies in the market. Sometimes customers will ask us if we know of somebody who can be their regular electrician, where they could call for anything from a small job to something much larger, maybe a remodel. And so we certainly have preferred people to Piper and Piper to them. From residential, commercial, and industrial, Piper Electric can handle all of your electrical needs. They've done actually everything from repairing a small wiring situation with a circuit breaker panel to adding additional circuits, adding parking lighting. So really, they have become a one-stop shop for all of our needs. If you call today and use the promo code BSN, you will get $25 off your next service call. That's 303-646-6765 or go to piperelectric.com. <laughs> Welcome back to the DNVR Nuggets podcast. I want to remind you that if you have not yet checked out thednvr.com, you're missing out on more than you probably realize. The list, the companion piece for this uh, podcast, obviously the What Makes This Play Great, a new weekly series where I explain in depth a play that the Nuggets are running. There was a really nice one in this one. I almost put it on the list, but I'm not going to lie. I saw it was such a nice play that I decided, I was like, hmm, I think I might use that at some point in the year. So um, a really cool series that, you know, we have explainers. We got articles. Harrison Wynn's just been crushing the beat. Lots of good stuff. I thought our preview of the season, which, by the way, is not expired. You can There's still a lot of good stuff in there. We did 10-minute videos, fun humor, some edits, some graphics, uh, conversation, some really cool stuff. Um, and, of course, that's all behind the paywall. So if you're considering, uh, if you're on the fence, you need to jump in. This Nugget season's too much fun. We're having too much fun over at thednvr.com uh, for you guys to just not check it out. So go on over there. And, of course, use the promo code MAREZ, M-A-R-E-S. You can see – I'll probably pin the link to my profile uh, tomorrow so you can see uh, quickly. We're doing a little competition to see who brings in the most subs. And, of course, that goes a long way to just kind of evaluating. Um, you, you know, we're doing a cool competition. Um, so you're going to want to use the promo code M-A-R-E-S. Uh, if, if you are thinking about signing up and, and let me know what you think, honestly, shoot me a DM, shoot me a message. Let me know the, what you think of the site, the good, the bad, and the ugly. I think there's going to be a lot more good than there is uh, bad on there. I feel really proud of what we got. All right, let's jump back into the notes. Second quarter, all second unit to start the second, which I think is going to be something we see a lot. Denver's second unit is a strength. It's a real strength. So um, they're probably going to see a lot of hockey lineups, five guys all at once, and you're probably going to try to wear teams down and wear them out. Portland's second unit wasn't very good. Denver's was really good, and that was a big, big reason of why Denver was able to stay in the game even when Jokic went out. Grant, Jeremy Grant, this I got a couple videos, I think, that are on the list from Jeremy Grant. He's going to be like the uh, the MVP of the list because he just so many things that he does there that I, I try to point out the subtle things like everybody sees the three pointers from you know players the dunks or whatever but sometimes it's the little details that and players of Grant's caliber the role players the more the little details they do the more the stars are able to shine and I just think he's such a great complimentary player um, and is a beast defensively so there's one possession and this is on the list he's, he just switches on to everybody that he's on the court there's one play where he's on a 2 then he's on a 4 then he's on a 5 he's always got active hands and feet um, and then he runs in transition so there's one play Yeah, he guards a, a, a starting, starts on a forward switches out to a shooting guard finishes on a center gets the stop then sprints the court for the dunk and it was just such an impressive play when you really break down every little thing he did in the span of about 10 seconds um 
Malik Beasley comes into the game and knocks down a couple threes, and I thought he was going to go off. Beasley, when Beasley looks good, he looks really good. Um, and then I love this little detail. So if you watched uh, What Makes This Play Great Episode 1, I did a play, a, a series on 51 Chase. Uh, the Nuggets, so Malik Beasley knocks down a couple threes, and this is, when I say that Jamal Murray usually calls the plays or Jokic calls the plays. Sometimes Malone will bark out something from the sideline. But for the most part, the players kind of get to get the freedom to sort of know what they're doing. But there's moments in a game, and, and several moments. It's not like Malone doesn't. He, Malone calls a lot of plays throughout the course of the game, just not every time down court. But on a moment like that, you see Beasley knock down back-to-back threes. A lot of times you think, okay, let's heat check. It's like NBA Jam. You get two in a row. Let's go for three. Let's see if he's on fire. And they ran that, so that's what they ran. Instead of 51 chase back, I mean, this is a little technical. They ran 21 um, chase back, which was the counter example I used at the very end of the of the of the thing. So if you remember in the example, it was Malik Beasley going up against I think Jakob Pertl. Uh In this one, they just run it back. He gets to the three point line, and fires one off, and unfortunately he misses. But it's one of those ones where if he would have hit, he got wide open. The play worked. If he would have hit it. I mean, Beasley might have gone for 35 that night. If you hit three in a row, sometimes you really are just locked in. Um, I love the Grant Millsap lineup. Uh, I think it was more a circumstantial thing because, you know, Plumley played so much with Jokic going out less than four minutes into the first half. There was, you know, Plumley had to play a lot of minutes in a row. And so I, I hope we see it again, though. I just like that lineup. Defensively, you had the Grant Millsap Craig lineup. And my goodness, is that just a lot of you know athleticism and tenacity and just nastiness? And I liked it. I think it's a great lineup for Denver. Um, the second unit opened up a ten point lead, so you go from the first that feeling you had the first part of the game when Jokic gets the fouls and goes to the bench, and you're just like, oh no, this might be a this might be a real bummer. To up ten, and you're just like, man, this team is really deep, really good. Um, Millsap's value to this team is so underrated and a large part of why they were able to sort of, um, stay afloat is because Millsap elevates the team's floor. You know, he's a good defensive guy. He knows what he's doing. Um, he, he, he tends to step, um, step up in good no, uh, moments, game seven of the second round aside. Um, but Jokic goes down. You still have a guy like Millsap who can just anchor a defensive unit. And defensively, I thought Denver w- was really good in Jokic's absence. Um, the team got their footing and started to roll. So it's like they they managed the storm. They go down. They managed the storm. They had a little rally. And then they threw a couple haymakers. And it was like, okay, they're starting to get their footing. They're starting to go. But up six with a minute 18 and the ball, you get a Millsap turnover, a Harris turnover, a Millsap turnover, and a Barton dribbles off his foot. It wasn't a turnover, but there's only a second on the clock, so they had to like um, force a heave. Or I think Mason Plumley actually ended up getting a shot clock violation. So you end, the ha- you end the half with four straight turnovers. Denver was up six with the ball and a minute left to go. So it was kind of a wasted opportunity. And here's another thing. I might splice this together tomorrow and put it on Twitter or something, but I got so many people yelling at me for Barton, and that was one of the plays everybody was upset about. Millsap had two turnovers previous to back-to-back possessions. Nobody said anything. Gary Harris had turnovers all over the court. Nobody said anything. Barton has one, and actually it wasn't even a turnover, and, and of course everybody is chirping. I just – I don't – the Barton stuff I get from last year, but the, I thought he was real, especially on second watch. Barton took eight shots, and I thought all of them minus one was good. The heat check after he made two threes was, you know, if it goes in, you're like, oh, he's on fire, but it, it wasn't necessarily a great shot. Um, his two threes, so going into the third quarter, Barton's two threes to open the second half were huge. Um, 
that starting unit for Portland's really good, and they were started. They came out. You could tell they were trying to really make a push in that that second half and try to make a run. And Barton's back to back threes were just a, a real sort of like, hey, yeah, you guys aren't going to do that. This is this is going to be a fight. You're not going to get some momentum on us. And those type of plays are really important. Um, Gary, so I said there was two bad moments. The, the first one I talked about, the three straight drives with the floaters. The other one was in the, so starting kind of early on in the second half, he goes on a drive, makes a nice Euro step, but then just gets completely blocked by the, the backside, uh, defender. And then on the very next possession, 19 seconds on the clock, he's on the fast break. He runs to the three, the, the corner and then jacks up a contested three. And it, it was back-to-back plays where you basically just kind of throw the ball away. Of course he missed. It was a terrible shot. And this, the weird, here's the weird thing about Gary Harris. What, what I really liked about him and what I think makes him such a positive player on this team, like Jeremy Grant, is that he can excel in a sort of limited role. And last year when he went down due to injury, he, when he came back, Unlike Will Barton, Gary Harris did a great job of reducing his role and sort of playing within himself. Well, what I've seen through the preseason and what I saw yesterday, it made me wonder, is he trying to expand his role once again, maybe fearful of falling into that super low usage role? You remember last year, he wasn't shooting a lot. He wasn't scoring a lot after he came back from injury. Um, And maybe he's worried that he's going to fall back into that role if he doesn't kind of press and and get his footing. So I don't think it's a big deal. Um, (laughs) I'm actually less concerned about it after rewatching the game. But it's certainly one of those things where you're like, man, he's really off. And he's off in ways that he's never really been off before. Throwing errant passes, making bad decisions, like being too aggressive um, with his shot. So I'm not too worried about it. But it is a trend that I'm – I just – if you would have told me, like, what are your concerns about Gary, those are two I would not have had wouldn't have picked um so the slow face up by Jokic I just have to mention because it was hilarious like only Jokic Jokic does so many things that only Jokic does but that like super slow motion face up and and jump shot was we we have to appreciate these things man I know sports are about winning and losing that's always the backdrop but you gotta enjoy these little moments along the way and Jokic doing like the like slowest face up jump shot of all time is it's just one of those things where you just have to appreciate it Torrey Craig shot the ball with confidence in this game. And I think this is the key to him. I've said this for a while. It's not that I think Torrey Craig is an awful offensive player. I don't, he's not good. He's probably the worst on the team. But it's not that he's awful. He was a scorer uh, in Australia. But Denver doesn't allow him to handle the ball for whatever reason. I think that's a mistake. I think you know, you're going to be concerned if he's handling the ball too much. But I, I think when you tell a guy like, oh, we don't want to do – we don't want this guy doing this. We don't want him doing that. I think it, it – sometimes has these ripple effects and with him you certainly see the offense come to a standstill and you see him sometimes catch the ball and make quick reads that turn into turnovers because he's just trying to get the ball out of his hands I think if you allow Torrey just to play a little bit more naturally and say hey we don't want you taking a ton of shots but always look to score when you catch the ball always look to cut and attack and whatever I think he would be better off and part of me you know he hits two threes he had a step in jumper from the mid-range that was he shot with confidence, if you just kind of give him the green light, I don't know that he's necessarily going to take a lot more shots, maybe one or two, but he's probably going to hit one or two more too, as well. So it might be the key to him, and it might be a trade-off that's just worth it. Um, you just kind of have to live with that rather than treating him like he, he can never touch the ball. Um, Jeremy Grant is going to draw a lot of fouls in transition. And it's one of the things I'm actually really excited about, uh, especially when he paired with Jokic in, in the fourth quarter. There was, I think, two 
plays out of four where Grant drew, drew a foul basically off of sprinting the court, there being a mismatch, and then being in position to receive a pass and the defense just having to force a quick foul. And and those were early in the, the fourth quarter too. I think you know in the first two or three minutes. And when you can put it, especially in the fourth quarter, when you can rack up those cheap fouls on, on your opponent, you're closer to the bonus. You're closer to getting the easy ones later on when it really matters. So I, I think that's going to be a sneaky, underrated aspect of the Grant-Jokic lineups. There was also the one, and this is on the list, where Grant perfectly set up a backdoor cut. He really juked the defender. It was uh, Mario Hazonia. He juked him, and he goes for the lob, and Anthony Simons basically just has to grab him and wrap him up or push him to, to keep him from doing this. And Jokic, too. Jokic is so good at throwing those passes. They're like fade routes in football. He's so good at throwing those to tall defenders. He was great at it with Wilson Chandler and Danilo Gallinari. And I think he's going to be great at it with Jeremy Grant and Michael Porter Jr. You know, you can't throw those ones to Millsap. He doesn't jump. He's tall, but you know, he you, you don't get a, to throw like fade routes to him too often because um, guys can defend it. But Jeremy Grant, Michael Porter Jr., you can throw those ones to those type of guys, and and it, it's curtains. Um, Plumley posts up way too much. This is the first time I've said I'll say that all year, or first time, but not the last time I'll say that all year. Um, Jokic, it's funny, he sat all that time in the first, so I guess Malone was like, he gave him a one-minute break in the fourth quarter and then went up, uh, went to him. They were down six. Jeremy Grant goes into the game, knocks down a three, draws some more fouls. It was, it was a really good productive minutes from him. And then I have to make note of this. That Jokic pass, again, we have to appreciate Jokic and just enjoy these moments. That pass Jokic had to Jamal Murray in the corner was a, a work of art. It was a thing of beauty. Just, uh, you know, he, he um, I, I actually want to see him do more of this where he goes for the dribble handoff but then fakes the handoff and goes to the basket. He didn't necessarily beat Whiteside, but he did fool everybody on the court to collapsing and then at the last minute throws the pass to a wide-open Jamal Murray. It, it was one of those plays where he turned nothing into a wide-open three-point shot in the corner from your best three-point shooter. It's just Jokic is so much fun, and he's just so brilliant. The Jokic-Murray two-man game, this is something I, I didn't actually pick up on, to be perfectly honest with you, when watching the game the first time around, but midway through that, that fourth quarter, there was four or five possessions in a row where Murray and Jokic ran to that two-man game, and it, it reminded me of last year. It just worked so well. They got so many great looks and great buckets out of it, and um, you know, one of the questions you almost have going forward, Denver knows who they are for most of the game. They get the ball popping. There were some really good possessions where they got the ball popping. I've got a couple of them on the list just to kind of enjoy. But um, in the fourth quarter, they might be better served by just going straight to those that two-man game. And you even wonder... Is there scenarios where you could put Jeremy Grant in late games? Michael Porter Jr., you know, assuming he can break into the rotation. Malik Beasley maybe even. And then have the Murray-Jokic two-man game. Like, I want to see what that two-man game looks like in the clutch when you put um, just floor spacers and defenders. So maybe it's Gary Harris instead. You know, if you go Gary Harris, Will Barton, Jeremy Grant, uh, Michael Porter Jr., Wancho and Gomez, Malik Beasley, any combination of those guys and just run that two-man game, I, I think teams are going to have a really, really hard time defending it. It might Defensively, there might be some concern there, but offensively, I think you're going to score a lot of points with, the, with that offense, and it's a simple offense. Um, Harris, on the last – basically the last meaningful play, Denver's up, I think, six points – um, actually they're up five points and Lillard is going at Gary Harris and he'd gotten a couple buckets off of him and Craig and he gets uh sort of an isolation on Gary Harris and Gary did a great job of defending him. 
contested his shot on the drive at the rim, and the ball kind of rims out, lips out, and Denver gets the rebound. So one minute left, Denver up five. Next thing you know, they're up seven, and that was the end of the game. That that stopped right there, and it's as bad as Gary Harris was, he did get what I consider to be the most important stop of the game, and um, at least that's noteworthy. And then lastly, having Will Barton on the court for end of close games is, is really, really nice. Just for ball security, they were trying to trap Murray hard, and Murray, he did an okay job with it. There was one play in particular where he threw the ball to Jokic, basically trapped Jokic in the corner, and it was just because Murray, you could tell, got nervous. But having Will Barton there as a release valve and just somebody you can go to is really nice. This didn't make the list, but Barton ran a pick and roll with Jokic where he did the same in and out dribble that he did in, I believe it was game four of the preseason, or maybe no, it was game one of the preseason against uh, Portland. I should probably splice these together because they were like identical plays. And it's just, again, one of those things where I talked about Gary Harris in the pick and roll and how he couldn't get to the rim. Well, late in the game, in the fourth quarter with the game on the line, Will Barton was able to run the pick and roll and get to the rim and get fouled. And it's just little things like that. When Barton's in his in his bag and playing the best version of himself, uh, he can do a really, really, uh, he can be a really different um, sort of look for the Nuggets and provide them some extra cushion. I want to tell you about one of our other big sponsors, The Green Solution, which has 17 Colorado locations and an express checkout to get you in and out as fast as possible. Get on your phone right now. Go to their website, My Green Solution. Order your flower, concentrates, edibles, and topicals online, and head to the closest green solution for pickup. Use code DNVR20 for 20% off of your entire purchase. What another heck of a deal. Fun fact. The guys who own Green Solution grew up on my in my neighborhood, on my block, was one of my good friends, and we actually played basketball all the time together. There's a little fun fact for you, um, but check them out, DNVR20 to get 20% off. Use that promo code. Last segment here, the DNVR Nuggets podcast, and we're going to look ahead now to tomorrow's game, Friday's game, the home opener for the Denver Nuggets. Home openers are always fun. It's always a good time, and I think Denver getting theirs on Friday where you're going to get that that loud, drunk, excited crowd um, gives them a real advantage and just allows for this night to be a really fun one. Of course, last year against the Phoenix Suns as well, uh, Nikola Jokic goes for one of the greatest performances I've ever seen in person. 35 points, triple-double, no missed shots, um, truly, truly special stuff, no turnovers. All he did was miss one free throw. It was almost a perfect, perfect game, but instead it was just regular perfect game. Um, so, you know, there's some history here for Denver looking good. And then, of course, um, it's funny. When you're guarding a pick and roll, a lot of times you have to pick between the best of bad options. And, you know, Jokic went had such a dominant game that first time that the second time they played, Phoenix loads up on Jokic and Jamal Murray goes for 46 points and what was another, like, just dynamite uh one. So now you have a different uh, coaching crew over in Phoenix. You have a lot of new pieces. Ricky Rubio's a really good defensive point guard. Um, so Denver, I think I don't think this is a, a pushover game. Dario Saric, a good player. Kelly Oubre can do some stuff. Devin Booker, obviously fantastic player, and he had an interesting game. 22 points and 10 assists. Not a guy that gets a ton of assists, so you wonder, is he turning a new leaf? Well, one game in, at least, he, they can say something. And they got a, a surprise win, so everybody, the Sacramento Kings, everybody's darling. They smacked them. Smacked them. 124-95, to 95, Phoenix got that win uh, on opening night for them. So, um, so this is, I think, by no means a pushover game, but it is a game that Denver should win. I mean, no doubt about it, Denver's the better team here. So some things I'm looking for in this one, without DeAndre Ayton in, 
Jokic just needs to feast. Aaron Baines is a strong player, but he's not a mobile center. He's kind of a, you know, he's a big guy. He has some things, some, some girth, some mass, some things he can do defensively, you know, inside. But Denver's going to put him in the pick and roll and put him in the blender. And I think that Denver's guards in particular are going to be able to turn that corner against Baines and either take the shot or, or just work him uh, and get some great looks in there. And then, of course, you're probably going to get a lot of mismatches around the court. Um, Frank Kaminsky's going to play. Maybe he's going to try to guard Jokic. I think that would be a disaster for the Suns. Um, so Jokic, hopefully locked in, dialed in. Not a great first, you know, great fourth quarter from Jokic, but not a great first uh you know, first half, this is a chance for him to really come out and show us what he's got. It's funny to me, he has 20 points in the second half of the last game. It makes you wonder, was he on, does that mean he's, you know, 40 points? He was on pace for that in his opening night. What's, what's he do if he plays the whole game? Well, maybe we get an answer to that now against the Phoenix Suns. And what better environment than a Friday night? Certainly it's going to be a sellout. Friday night game. Um, so I'm curious to see that. Uh, the Devin Booker, Jamal Murray matchup, I think will be really, really fun. They won't be necessarily head-to-head a whole lot. Ricky Rubio will be there. And Ricky Rubio, good defender. He'll put some pressure on, on, on Murray. But nonetheless, you know, Devin Booker could go off. Him and him and Jamal Murray sort of um, parallels of each other, similar style players, I think similar caliber players. So you're always curious to see which of those two guys is going to play better. Of course, Gary Harris, you know, I said I wasn't concerned, and I'm not really. I mean, the concern I've gone from like a one to a two with Gary Harris. It's not like, it's not that he he has so many years under his belt of of good Gary that you can't let one regular season game and a few preseason ones cloud your uh, you know cloud your judgment. But he's got the assignment on Booker as well that will be interesting. And then just how can he score? Devin Booker's not a very good defender at all. So can Gary Harris go off and maybe force uh you know force Devin Booker to work even harder on that end? I think that'll be an interesting one. And then the thing I'm most maybe excited about and curious about, does Michael Porter Jr. get into this game? I have a I have a sneaky suspicion he will. Don't ask me why. I don't have any intel on this. We haven't had shoot around yet. So I don't I don't I'm not saying this with any like sort of like intel or confidence, but if Denver can take care of business and not give Michael Malone an ulcer in the first quarter of this game, I, I think we might see Michael Porter Jr. give it a go in this one. And, and I would hope so, because I think for one, you got a home crowd. Friday night, imagine the noise inside Pepsi Center if Michael Porter Jr. checks in at the, you know, towards the end of the first quarter. Imagine the ovation he would get, the excitement in the building, and just sort of that that extra burst. Uh, I think that would be really, really good. And then who's he going up against? Kelly Oubre Jr., not exactly a guy that you have to really, I mean, he could go off. He had 21 points, nine rebounds in that, that opener, but he's not a, a guy that you really think like, oh, we got to, uh, we need a, a great elite defender on him. So you might be all right there. And then, of course, uh, Mikhail Bridges, another guy that uh, – a good player who I really, really like, but not somebody that you say, oh, Michael Porter Jr. can't handle him. Um, so those are some of the things I'm looking for. I hope we get a little bit more Jeremy Grant and Jokic. I loved what I saw from that uh, in the little spurts that we got. This would be a great game to kind of deploy that lineup as well. So hopefully we get that one. Um, but all in all, I think it will be a fun game. If Denver won on the road looking ugly – what can they do at home if they start to look good? We'll find out tomorrow. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Don't forget to leave a rating and review on iTunes. And, of course, if you're thinking about subscribing to thednvr.com, use the promo code MARES, M-A-R-E-S. You get a free T-shirt. We have some really cool designs. I got mine in the mail, the, uh, the We Don't Skip Steps shirt. It's just incredible. So soft. 
so soft and it looks so beautiful. Um, wear that one. In fact, if you got that in the mail, if yours has arrived, wear that one to Pepsi Center and come say hi. Section 144, me, Harrison, Brendan, all, all there watching the game uh, with the media. Come say hi to us. We always like meeting people um, and wear your shirt. That looks like a double bonus. Uh, we really appreciate that. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you all next time. And lastly, Strava Craft Coffee. Do I have any coffee drinkers in the house? We're excited to tell you about this game-changing coffee. Strava Craft is the CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. Their reviews are incredible. Uh, CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS. It's helped decrease anxiety. You name it. CBD is all-natural and not psychoactive. You don't get a high off of this. That's not, some people don't understand the difference between THC and CBD. CBD is not psychoactive. The coffee is rich and tasty, and we couldn't recommend it more to our listeners. As Strava says, drink deeply. Live fully. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off. Everybody who sponsors us, we get a code 20% off DNVR20 at checkout. That's your promo code DNVR20 at checkout. And you can even get it shipped straight to your door. Don't even have to lose the couch. Open up your phone and do that now and, and give them a shot.